We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. sermons maybe more in this particular area well we're going to end up being about probably two or three for sure and this is our second one but I want to talk to you about how to develop a servant's heart this morning how to develop a servant's heart it's one thing to have a servant's heart but how do you develop that heart um, for the Lord now it's you've heard me teach on this and preach on this faith is like a muscle um, every Bible says everyone is given the measure of faith. You don't have more faith than I do, and I don't have more faith. We all start out, start out with the same amount of faith. You can say, I don't believe that because I see people with massive faith. Well, guess what? Same muscles I was born with, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was born with. All right? The difference is he developed his a lot better than I developed mine. All right? So uh, it is about the development. It is about putting the work in to cause that faith to grow. Faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more it grows. Amen? The more it develops in our lives. And so I want to talk to you about a servant's heart. A servant's heart is something we all should seek after, but, but if we're going to have a servant's heart, it takes work to develop a servant's heart. And so our, our, our anchor verse is John 12, 44, which says, For I've given you, I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Jesus said this right when he had got through washing the feet of the disciples. He's saying, now you need to serve one another. Now you need to look out for one another the same way that I looked out after you. In other words, if me being the Son of God humbled myself to wash your feet, then you need to take this example of servanthood and apply it to your walk and quit arguing about who's more important than who and who has the greater authority or who has the greater responsibility. I want you to understand there are no little jobs. That's what Jesus was teaching us through this. When you serve uh, the Lord, you want to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons in ways that honor God and serve as an example to others. You need to have the heart of a servant. Developing the heart of a servant, knowing your unique ministry, is the first vital part of serving others. The second vital part is developing your servant's heart. So it's one thing to discover, okay, this is where God wants me to serve, but it is another thing to develop the heart of service. Now, a heart of, of, of a servant as we talk about that and as it develops in us, has different, different things. In other words, you must have the heart of a servant for three reasons. It prevents you from feeling tempted to use your abilities and gifts for your own personal benefit rather than for service. There are people who think they're na I'm naturally gifted with money. I, somebody may say, I'm, I'm good with numbers. Do you realize if you're not careful, you can use a gift that God has given you to serve the church to serve yourself? Amen. And benefit yourself. And so God gives you those gifts for a reason. Uh, number two, it will urge you to answer God's call to service even when the call is for something you're not particularly gifted at. Boy, I want to nail this one home. We're going to get there in just a little bit. Sometimes we're asked to serve in areas that we're not necessarily gifted at. Um, there are times when we just have to step up because nobody else is stepping up. We have to fill in because nobody else is willing to fill in. Someone who has developed a servant's heart may not necessarily be called to a particular area, but they are willing to serve until God raises up somebody that will, somebody that is, 
called to that particular area. Number three, while your main focus is your unique ministry, your second focus is any call to service. When there's any call to service, I should be willing to jump in and be a part and to participate and do what I can to see the kingdom of God prosper in this world. Someone who doesn't have the heart of a servant only responds to the calls of their main ministry and selfishly ignores God's call to other types of service. Those who 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 do not have a servant's heart are not willing to serve in any other capacity. I'm not going to do that. That's not what I'm called to do. And they watch something hurt. They watch something suffering, but it doesn't, well, because I'm not called to that, that's not my main calling. I'm not going to help there. And they watch something suffer and die because they're not willing to take a chance. That's a selfish spirit. And a heart of a servant does not have a selfish spirit. The heart of a servant has five characteristics we're going to explore this morning. And so if you take notes, I encourage you to take notes. Anyone can perform acts of service in the church. Did you know that? Anybody can do an act of service. You can come cut the grass. You can come clean windows. You can come vacuum a floor. You, you can come help when you distribute water. Anybody can do an act of service, but not everyone is doing it for the right reason. Rather than these acts coming from their heart, they come from a need to be recognized or a desire to be liked. A true servant has a strong, developed character of servanthood. There are five characteristics that indicate that we have the heart of a servant or we're developing the heart of a servant. Now, characteristic number one, look at somebody and say availability. Now, this is a hard one because all of us are so busy. All of us are constantly torn in every different direction. we got all kinds of activities in our lives. And our activities, I, I was sharing with, with some, used to be that we respected Sundays and Wednesdays. And there wouldn't be any kind of, of athletics except pro athletics on Sundays. That's the only ones that didn't respect Sundays. Now, that you have ball games all the time, even on Wednesdays and Sundays. And we wonder why our kids aren't rooted in grass in the truth. Amen, Pastor. Availability. 1 Peter 4 and 10 says, as each has received a gift. Okay? He didn't say as each might have a gift. He said everybody's received some kind of gift. Use it to serve one another. Look at somebody and say, I got to use that to serve you. <laughs> to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. He's saying, look, God has given a variety of gifts. He has given grace to each of us in, in different areas. Some people are better at some things than others, and that's okay. Not everybody is meant to sing. Amen? Amen? So I said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. It also says, play skillfully. In the same verse. <laughs> In the same verse. <laughs> Keep your schedule unburdened enough to make, a, make an able or make you able to answer the call of service when it comes. Or you'll be putting uh, willing uh, be willing to put aside less important matters to answer the call. As a servant, you must be willing to let God intervene and, uh, and interfere with your schedule as he needs to. Those who only serve when they feel like it is of their convenience aren't true servants. It is not a servant's If I can just squeeze it in, if I can just do it when I'm, it's convenient to me, that is not a true servant. Why? Because one of the characteristics of a true servant is they have a sacrificial spirit. Amen. What if Jesus had looked at us and said, the cross isn't convenient for me? I'm going to wait a few more thousand years when they have lethal injection because it's less painful. Come on. 
Amen. The heart of a servant will inconvenience themselves and make themselves available. This may sound stressful, but it's freeing. Changes to your schedule and interruptions of your day can be a blessing from the Lord if we make room for God to do what He needs to do through us. In other words, if I've got my life so planned out, there's no room for God unless I schedule God. Come on. Unless God is in my schedule, I want news for you. God will never fit your schedule. He has his own timing. He has his own timetable. And you've heard me say it. You may want the direct route, but God is into the scenic route. He is going to do what he wants to do because he is Lord and Master. And I am supposed to be what? His servant. His servant. So I must make myself available to him. Characteristic number two is perceptiveness. Matthew 6, verses 1 through 4 says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. That word righteousness means obedience. In order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say, to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I want you to know what he's saying simply is this: if you're after the praise and the accolades of men, and you receive those for what you're doing, then that's all the reward you're ever going to get. But I don't know about you. I don't care about the applause of men. I want to hear Jesus say, well done one day. I want him to say, good job, Phil. Enter into the joy that I have prepared for you. I want to hear his well done. I want to hear him say, good job. Amen. Amen. True servants always look for ways that they may be able to serve others and take opportunities as they uh, present themselves. You need to be perceptive and flexible to fulfill this characteristic. Perception helps you sense when someone is in need uh, of your help, even when it's not immediately clear. Amen? Have you ever had somebody walk by you at work and you say, how you doing? And they look at you and they go, fine. But then there was something about what they said it or the way they looked. You knew they really were not fine. Listen, that takes perception on your part. That takes discernment on your part. And if you want to be used of God, you've got to be perceptive of the things around you. You can't just believe that everything is fine and gravy and good. Amen. You like how I use that thanks term, giving term, gravy? Amen. You just can't think everything is good and everything is perfect all the time, but you've got to be perceptive that there may be a need that has been disguised by a smile and you are going to miss a blessing if you don't rise to the occasion and ask God for a Holy Ghost perceptiveness that you can serve, amen, and meet a need. Flexibility is necessary because the moment, uh, uh, moments to reach out to those who are in need usually pass very quickly. So you need to be flexible enough to seize the moment without thinking about your schedule. In other words, if you're not, uh, if you're not uh, flexible enough and you're not perceptive enough to react to that need when that need presents itself, that need can pass very quickly. Amen. Amen. 
There have been times in my life that God has moved on me to do something, and and I didn't know. I sit there and debated with myself. Anybody ever done that? I wonder if this is God. I wonder if this is me. And then I come across this great little truth. God is never going to ask you to do anything, or or the devil will never ask you to do anything that's going to bless somebody. The devil is never going to ask you to do an act of kindness to somebody. The devil's never going to ask you to share Jesus with somebody. I'm going to tell you, when we begin to realize that be, being kind to somebody, being perceptive of their needs, and being a true servant of the Lord, we will open up doors. You say, what has this got to do with me? What has this got to do with our church? If we are truly going to reach the harvest that is before us, we must have hearts of a servant, and we must develop an attitude and a perception of the needs in this world and meet those needs and meet those needs. Amen. Beyond doing their best, in other words, uh, uh, our best to, to ignore things, we've got to look and see. To work on your servant's perception and flexibility, make a point of looking for small, unnoticeable things around you. For example, you might rake the leaves of an elderly neighbor's yard while they're out uh, or stay after a a meeting to clean up a room. Uh, This will train your eye for the subtle places to help and teach you to adjust your schedule around what needs to be done. Notice notice this this has to take place. In other words, um, you know what? If you're walking out of church and you see an empty water bottle, what, what harm is it to pick it up and throw it in the trash can? Amen. In other words, the little things. And you say, what has that got to do with reaching people? Because when I become perceptive of the little things, then that means I will begin to notice the spiritual things. I will begin to notice in people's attitude and the tone of their voice, and I will hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit that may open up a door for me to minister to a heart and see somebody reach for Jesus. What are you saying? I believe with all my heart it is not going to be those who are served that reach this world. It is going to be those who are our servants. Amen. Amen. Characteristic number three is dedication. True servants always do the best they can do, no matter what the circumstances. They don't wait for a better timing or a better tool. They they don't make excuses. They use whatever they have and jump into the work. In other words, they don't look and say, you know what, maybe I can get to it. I know, uh, you know, uh, by the way, parents, I'm going to just say this free of charge. Please, if you got little ones, make sure they don't fill the toilets full of paper. Okay, and I appreciate the plunging activity that one of our folks took on. And thank God there was a miracle Saturday morning. The, the, the clot was gone. And uh, you say, what, one of the dark toilets? You know what? I'm thankful for people that don't wait around for somebody else. You know what? I've had people look, say, toilet's clogged, and there's a plunger sitting right there by the toilet. Well, by all means, let me put my Bible down and go in there and plunge. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm talking about those little things in our lives will open up doors and opportunities for our perceptiveness to begin to see the need, and we've got to be dedicated. By the way, this is not my church. This is not your church. This is God's church. Jesus purchased it with his own blood, and now he looks at all of us, and he says, be good stewards of what I have given and entrusted into your hands. In other words, what is he saying? Be good servants. Be good servants. Be a servant that looks for opportunities to bless others and be dedicated to do that. This is because they understand that the thoughts don't count as service. In other words, just because I thought about it don't mean that's an act of service. Amen. 
I love good ideas. Who likes a good idea? But do you realize that everybody in this room, if we take our time and went around the room and we really thought about it, would have a good idea? (laughs) But churches don't need good ideas as much as it needs people to implement ideas. I will take a not-so-good idea that's implemented over a great idea that sits on the shelf. Amen. Amen. So God is looking for servants that are willing to execute Why are you preaching this? Because it's time for there to be more people step up to the plate in Harvest Worship Center so that we can do the work that God has for us. Amen. we got to step up, and we got to step up in in ways maybe not necessarily we think is what my gifting's in. This is because we understand that, that imperfect service is much better than a thought of service that never gets carried out. Amen? I'd rather somebody do it imperfectly than someone who just sits around and says, you know what, somebody else will take care of that. You may be hesitating to serve or waiting for a better time because you think that there is nothing worthy to, you have nothing worthy to offer. There are two arguments that can help you get over this mindset. God doesn't care about perfection. He cares about service. He cares about us doing our best, and he's fair, He does care about excellence, in other words. But guess what? I haven't met anybody that's perfect in this room. Amen. I haven't met. I look in the mirror and I, I have, this guy is not perfect. I've not, I've not got there yet. He's still working on me. But guess what? He does expect me to do this with a spirit of excellence. In other words, he expects me to study. He expects me to pray. He expects me to prepare. He expects me to come to you with something that is of value. And I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit is screaming in my ears. If we're going to accomplish the goal and the vision that he has laid before us, it is going to have to happen with a servant attitude. A servant's heart. A servant's heart. Everyone has a learning curve. Amen? Everyone has a learning curve, and their first attempt at service isn't always their best. But guess what? You only improve by practicing. That's a lesson I've taught my kids through, through athletics, and that's a lesson right now I'm teaching Peyton. I'm like, you, if you want to be a better basketball player, you're not going to be a better basketball player uh, at practice with a basketball team. It's going to be in this gym shooting that ball when nobody else is around till you're sick of shooting that ball. That's where you get good. You don't get good in practice at school. You get good in there by yourself shooting the ball. Amen. Practice. Practice. My kids hate this phrase. When they would do bad in sports, they'd look at me and they would complain about something they did, and I would look at them and say, okay, what are you going to do about it? (laughs) Paige rolled her eyes when she said that. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to fix it? What are you going to do to improve it? What are you going to do to work at it? What are you going to do to get better? Because guess what? I can tell you all day long. Anybody, anybody that, uh, you know, I know, I know we got some fans of different teams out there, but how many of you were doing some coaching yesterday watching your team? Okay. How many of you called your coach an idiot and then prayed and asked God to forgive you? Altar's open. Altar's open. I may not have called the coach that, but I have hurled a few at Stetson Bennett. No. No. But guess what? If Phil was out there, he would be knocked out first play. Amen. There's a lot of people that know how to make the call from the chair. But God is looking for people who are willing to get on their knees and wash the feet. Mm. And that kind of spirit will bring a move of the Holy Spirit 
like you've never seen before in your life and in this church and in this community. God is looking for a servant's heart. He is looking for those who are developing an attitude of service in their lives. In other words, we all got to learn. I'm still, I've been preaching for 30 years. I'm still learning. Somebody says, yeah, you are. I'm praying for you. Beyond doing their best, true servants give the same amount of dedication to every task. No service is beneath them or too small. Everything is done with, the whole, with their whole heart. They put everything they have into it. Why? Because they realize they're not doing it for the recognition of men. They're doing it as a steward over God's heritage. God has blessed us with some great things, and he's blessed us to continue his ministry on this earth. And what was his ministry? His ministry was that of a servant. He said, I came to serve, not to be served but to serve this world. As a matter of fact, uh, there's a chapter that is known in Isaiah as the suffering servant that describes the ministry of Jesus. And it is not the suffering king. It is known as the suffering servant. In other words, he came to serve those around him so that they might have eternal life. But when he went back to heaven, he said, all right, church, it's on you now. It's on you. Serve. Many people are not willing to perform uh, an act of gra- uh, unless it is a grand gesture in their behalf. Reveal that you have a heart of a servant. Being a person that was willing to do the small things, God will honor you in the big things. What did he say? If you're faithful in little, he'll reward you with much. Always keep in mind that no task is beneath, was beneath Jesus. He washed feet. He helped lepers. He made food for his disciples. All of the best of his ability was given and poured into them. Matthew 6, verses 3 and 4 says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. How does he reward you? It's not necessarily you getting a pat on the back by men, but it is one day you getting a open and wide before all of eternity. Well done. Enter into the joy I prepared for you. Characteristic number four is reliability. Servants are dependable. They do what they ha- they do what they say they will do, whether it is a task they need to get done or a promise that they need to keep. In a world where it seems increasingly difficult for people to stick to their commitments, servants are steadfast, trustworthy, and reliable. 1 Corinthians 4 says this, This is how one should regard as a servants, a servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is a, require, a required of stewards that they be found faithful. God is looking to find faithfulness in us. I like a song that was sung back when I was a kid. It said, let those who come behind us find us faithful. I'm going to tell you now, I want those who follow me to find that when they look at my life, that I was faithful to the Lord, that I was a faithful servant, that I wasn't afraid to do whatever the task because it wasn't for the recognition of men, but it was for God and his work to go forward on this earth. I've got news for you. God is ready to use this church to do some great things. I don't want to be known as the church of hype. I don't want to be known as the church of excitement. I want to be known as the church that was willing to get on their knees and wash the feet of the lepers, wash the feet of those who were sick, wash the feet of those who were hurting. I'm here to tell you there's a world that needs to see Jesus, and they don't need to see the Jesus sitting on the throne. They need to see the Jesus that came into the 
midst of my sin that crawled into the mess of my life and he rescued me. He says, church, that's your job. That's your job to do what I did. He's looking for us to be reliable. 1 John 2, verses 3 and 4 says, And by this we know that we have come to know Him. How many want to know that they are saved beyond a shadow of a doubt? Not because somebody told you were, but because you know that you know in your heart. And he says in John, 1 John 2, John says it this way, And by this we know that we have come to know Him. I know that I'm right. I know that I'm saved if we keep His commandments. Whoever says I know Him but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And one of the commands that you and I have all, every child of God has been given is to do what? He says, I have given you an example that you should follow, that you should do what? Serve one another. That was not a suggestion. That wasn't just something, mm, take it or leave it. If you're good with it, then go with it. If not, you know, there's a big book. Pick something you like. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. And here in John, he says, you will know that you are mine. Why? Because not because you get people patting you on the back and not because somebody says, oh, that was an awesome sermon or you taught a great lesson or, man, you really can sing. I've got news for you. The world doesn't need more singers. It needs more servants. The world doesn't need to see more preachers. It needs to see more servants. It needs to see the practicality of the gospel applied in the household of faith. No. No more social clubs are needed in this community. We need a spirit-filled, God-moving, Jesus-giving church. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to preach this morning. Is that all right? We must have the heart of a servant. He says, if you don't have that heart, he says, whoever says, I know him, but you don't keep his commandments is a liar. Ooh, that's strong. That's, that, that's strong. And the truth is not in him. You might be happy to know this is characteristic number five, humility. Servants don't need to be noticed or praised for their service. They do humble service, and they don't go out of their way to get attention for it. They, if, they get, if they do not get, a, get praised, if they don't get acknowledged, it doesn't change their service. They keep on serving. This contrast with, with how many people tend to serve when the intent of being seen. For these people's service is not, not a way to do God's work, but a way to get attention, praise, and affirmation of others. The church was not meant to be a place where we get our needs met alone, but it was a place where we meet others' needs. Now, let me just say this. How many remembers the first time you got saved? My, my dad had revivals every year, and, and, and twice a year they had revivals, and I think I got saved in every revival. You remember the first time you met Jesus? It's hard to forget, isn't it? I mean, I'm not talking about pray some prayer somebody told you to pray, and then look at you and stamp your good on it. No, I'm talking about the first time you truly surrendered your sins to Jesus and said, I'm tired of carrying the weight and the guilt of this around. I want to be free. If you don't recall that, this altar, in just a moment, I want you to come because I want you to leave here free. Amen? Free. You need to know that. I remember the first time 
I gave my heart to the Lord. The first time I surrendered everything to Him. At that moment, I didn't care what others did. I didn't care what others thought. I didn't care about attention. I didn't care about somebody's pat on the back. I would have loved anybody at that moment. Come on. You remember that? Your worst enemy could have come up. You still snotting and crying. and <laughs> Hug on everybody. Then later on, and when the flesh settles in and the spiritual high goes, you're thinking, did I hug that person? I don't even like them. I guess I'm the only one. You see, we were introduced to a childlike heart. We were introduced at salvation to a servant's heart. And for the first time, the callousness of this world was removed and the tenderness that God intended came to light. If you catch yourself feeling upset that your ministry seems unimportant or is doing, going unnoticed, remember who it is for. It is not for the eyes of men. It is for the eyes of God. He notices you. He sees you. And more importantly, God appreciates you. Colossians 3, 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Some big one there. Ephesians 4, 29 but no, but no corrupting talk, uh, talk uh, come out, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for the building up as fit as fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who to, who hear. And then Matthew five sixteen. In the same way, let your light shine before men and before others, so that they may see your good works. Okay, so he didn't say that he don't want our works to be seen. He says, let your light, and by the way, that light means reflected. So it's not really my light, it's his light. I'm just supposed to reflect it. He says, so let your light so shine before men. Why? So that they may see your good works, amen, see what you're doing, and give glory to who? To your Father who is in heaven. If we're not careful... We'll do things in order that we will be seen. And I'm not talking about as individuals. I am talking about individually, but I'm talking about there are churches, if they're not careful, that will do acts of service to be noticed. Now, if we're doing acts of service because it's the right thing to do, and look, we're coming off some of our biggest things right now. October and November are busy, busy months for us when we do a lot of outreach. But I'm here to tell you, if it's about our name and our fame as a church, we need to rethink what we're doing. We need to get together and rethink it. Because it should not be about our name and our fame. It should be about the name of Jesus, and we should do it with service. So we shouldn't have anything to advertise who we are. No, because I think they need to know where that servant's heart exists. So I don't see anything wrong with that. But I'm here to tell you, if we're just wanting to have the biggest, baddest party on the street so everybody else can see, then we're not reflecting his light. We're trying to show ours. I want Jesus to be seen. How about you? I want Jesus to be glorified. How about you? I want to lift him higher than anything else in this community. Let us not wave our banner. Let us wave his banner. Let us lift up Jesus in this place. And let us do it as servants of the Most High.
So my question is simply this. Are you developing a servant's heart? Are you seeking a servant's heart? Because if you're not, I'm going to just tell you now, the Bible says God resists what? The proud. Another, another word for that is arrogant. God does not like haughtiness and arrogance in people. Why? Because he sees who we are really. Amen. Amen. Now, I never met him personally, but I guarantee you, Billy Graham was one of the, the most dynamic evangelists and ministers that's probably been in modern times. But I guarantee you, there were moments in Billy Graham's life where he looked in the mirror and he said, you wretched man. Oh, no, not him. I, I bet you there were times. I, I guarantee you there were times when he looked in the mirror and thought, who do you think you are to even try to represent him? You see, if we don't have a reality check, that arrogance and that pride, the Bible says he will resist the proud. And he also says something else about the proud. Pride goes what? Before the fall. In other words, pride will cause us to be exiled from his anointing and his presence in our life. Amen? I don't know about you, but I would, I would rather scrub toilets for him and have his presence in my life because I've known what it's like not to have his presence, and I don't want that ever again. I've known what it's like to have the anointing removed from my life, and I don't want, I want, I don't want to ever walk that path again. So my call to you today is, who's ready to develop their servant's heart? Will you stand? Who's ready to say? <laughs> I love what Joshua said. Now, I, I don't know. Let's give this altar call. Fathers, husbands, men, when all was going to, 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 to uh, the dogs with Israel, and people were choosing to serve themselves, and people were rebelling against God. There was one man that stood up, and he made a statement, and we love to put it on plaques, and we love to put it, you know, it hangs in houses all over the country, doormats. But there was a man named Joshua, and what did he say? As for me and my house, we will serve. There it is. There's the key word, serve. Who? the Lord. Whatever he asks, whatever he requires, we will serve the Lord. Well, that's easy to say because Joshua was a big shot in the Bible. Don't you like them big shots? Let me tell you about Joshua. There's a reason Joshua was used of God. There was a reason. Because if you turn to Exodus 33, you will see that the Bible says that Israel had failed the Lord. One of my favorite chapters to read and the Bible says that Moses went to talk to God because God said he was done with Israel and he was about to kill them just let them all die because of their disobedience with the golden calf and Shelby he goes to meet with God in the tabernacle and when he gets to the tabernacle I want you to hear me the Bible says the presence of God, the visible Shekinah glory is what it was referred to, comes down into the midst of the tabernacle. And there's a verse that blows me away. It says, And Moses spake face to face with God as a man speaks to his friend. 
And they have this whole conversation, and God says, I'm done with Israel. I'm going to disinherit them, and they're your people. And Moses says, oh, no, I'm not taking credit for this bunch of knuckleheads. They're your people. <laughs> and they go back and forth about whose people it is. And finally, Moses intercedes as a type of Christ, the way Christ intercedes for us. And he says, but you make covenant with them. And God honors his promise. He says, okay, I won't destroy them, but they'll perish in the wilderness and I'll raise up a whole generation that'll come. But listen to what happens. The Bible says Moses departs from the tabernacle, but Joshua, the son of Nun, I love it, a young man departed not from the presence of the Lord. Before he was even recognized and known as the leader of Israel, he spent time in the presence of God at the feet of of Jesus. If we want God to use us, we will be used when we find ourselves in his presence. And I don't think that him and God discussed his future in the sense that he was going to be this great dynamic leader. I think he just longed to be in the presence of God. And he just there, he just soaked in the presence of the Lord and he got used to hearing him. Because why? Because he wanted to hear his voice. You know, the other people in Israel, because he had to be close enough to hear God if Moses was hearing God. But the other people had made up their mind a long time ago, Moses, you go listen to God and you talk to God and then you come back and tell us what he said and we'll do what he said. But we don't want him talking to us. But that wasn't good enough for Joshua, the servant of God. He wanted to hear God for himself, so he was eavesdropping on the conversation. He wanted to know the voice of God. A servant longs to know the voice of God. A servant longs to be in his presence. So my question this morning is, are you ready for a servant's heart? Are you ready to develop that in your life? Because it is that that will change Chattooga County. It is that. So I'm going to invite you to come. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.